You're listening to Seed of the Woman, a podcast dedicated to telling the grandest story of all and to exposing the mystery of 666. Randall Gilmore here. In this episode, I return to Revelation chapters 12 and 13 one more time to wrap up the backstory of the beast out of the sea and to shine a light on two very clear indications that the final seven years is at hand and on a third indication that signals exactly when it will begin. Meanwhile, the return to Revelation 12 and 13 will also reveal the meaning behind the symbolism of the dragon's seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems. And keep in mind, one of the reasons why we can be confident about our understanding of Revelation chapters 12 and 13 is because, like the rest of the book of Revelation, these chapters tell the same overarching story told throughout Scripture of who Jesus is, who we are, what Jesus did, and the absolute necessity of believing in Him. It's the same story, of course, that we summarize in Gospel Story Arc messaging. By now, it's likely that you've heard of the Gospel Story Arc Cube, which is a handy tool for sharing Gospel Story Arc messaging. The cube is about the size of a Rubik's Cube, only it's not a puzzle. It's a cube of illustrations that unfolds panel by panel, each panel containing an illustration of a key moment in the overarching story of the seed of the woman. You know, we recently produced 10,000 of these cubes with the goal of distributing them around the world. And so far, we've been able to send over 1,000 to ministries in seven countries. And we do this at no charge to these ministries. The production and distribution of the cubes like this podcast and the Gospel Story Arc Project overall all are made possible by the generosity of listeners like you. Now, for more information on Gospel Story Art Cubes, and to find out how you could receive a cube of your own to share Jesus' story with others, go to gospelstoryart.org. And remember, it's your story too. I'll take a quick break and return shortly with more on the beast out of the sea and the symbolism of the dragon's seven heads, ten horns, and the diadems on each of the heads. To wrap up the backstory of the beast out of the sea in Revelation chapter 12, I must first fill in one more detail from the angel Gabriel's prophecy found at the end of Daniel chapter 9 concerning the 70 weeks of seven years each. In previous episodes from this season, I show that the 70th week, the very last week of seven years, has yet to begin. But Gabriel doesn't leave us in the dark as to when that happens because he tells us about it at the end of his prophecy in these words. And he, referring to a prince who is to come, shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. So the 70th week begins in the future when a prince who is to come makes a strong covenant with many. Now many Bible teachers refer to this strong covenant as a peace treaty between Israel and others. 
It's a treaty that the prince who is to come will confirm at the beginning of the final seven years and then break at the midpoint, three and one half years in. Here's more of what Gabriel says in Daniel 9.27. And for the half of the week, he, the prince who is to come, shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. Now, since Gabriel says in the beginning of his prophecy that he's telling what will happen to the Jews and to Jerusalem, the prince's putting an end to sacrifice and offering implies that a third Jewish temple will have been built prior to the halfway mark of the final seven years. So Gabriel's prophecy identifies two very distinct events tied to the question of when the world should expect to see the final seven years. A peace treaty that marks the beginning and the rebuilding of the third Jewish temple, marking the historical context during which the treaty with many will be confirmed. Now, as we consider all that's happening in the world today, we find both of these, the peace treaty and the rebuilding of the third Jewish temple, both very much at the center of the ongoing conflict in the Middle East. And with the values, beliefs, and practices associated with the paganism of 666, currently on display in religion and government throughout the world, as I've been mentioning again and again throughout the podcast. Together, all these things show that the world is moving closer and closer to the final seven years. Now, back in Revelation chapter 12, the Apostle John tells of yet another revealing event tied to the final seven years, one that's connected specifically to the last half of those years, the final 42 months the final 1260 days, the final time, times, and half a time. In Revelation chapter 12, beginning in verse 7, John writes this, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but they were defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Now, once again, there's so much to unpack. There's Michael and the angels. There's the dragon who also has his angels and who's identified as Satan himself. And there's a war that breaks out between the two sides in heaven, between Michael and Satan and the angels on both of their sides. But what makes this event a marker for the beginning of the last half of the final seven years is found in what the rest of Revelation chapter 12 has to say about Satan's defeat. Satan and his angels are thrown down to the earth, and that results in Satan's re-energized pursuit of the woman, who is Israel, to make war with her, and not only with her, but also, quote, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. This last phrase describes people who have become Christians and who will live to see all of this. So even if they're not able to tell exactly when the war in heaven begins, there will be no doubt as to the start of Satan's intense, end-time fury here on earth, marking the midway point of the final seven years. And tied to this point midway through the final seven years, the last verse of Revelation chapter 12 says, The dragon stood on the sand of the sea. Then in verse 1 of chapter 13, John continues, And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, 
with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and his great authority. So when the time comes, if there is any doubt about the identity of the beast out of the sea, in that moment everything becomes very clear. Now John's description of the beast in the opening verses of Revelation 13 is nearly identical to the description of the dragon back in chapter 12 in verse 3. The only differences are the addition of the blasphemous names on the beast's heads and the diadems numbering ten instead of seven, and placed on the beast's horns rather than on its heads. In Revelation chapter 17, John explains that the seven heads of the beast represent seven mountains. And then John writes that the seven heads also represent seven kings. The same goes for the ten horns. They too represent kings. Now kings, of course, are the heads of government, which is consistent with the rest of John's initial description of the beast out of the sea. So in chapter 13 and verse 2, John writes this, And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. This description is similar to others we find in Daniel chapter 7, where Daniel uses four beasts to represent the course of human government from his time until the end, when Jesus returns. In his vision, Daniel saw a lion, and a bear, and a leopard, and then an unidentified fourth beast, all rising out of the sea like the beast in Revelation 13. But you should know there are some differences between the beast of Daniel 7 and John's description of the beast out of the sea. For example, the beast out of the sea does not appear separately as a bear and a leopard and a lion, as in Daniel's vision, but together as one beast, like a composite of the beast that Daniel saw. But one thing is certain. John uses animals in his description of the beast out of the sea to make the same connection as Daniel to certain human beings at the top of world government. Using an animal to stand for a leader and his government also applies to John's mention of the eagle back in chapter 12, the eagle that comes to the rescue of Israel. And it also explains why the dragon himself is pictured with seven heads, ten horns, and diadems on each of its heads. Going back at least as far as Nimrod, Satan has always focused his attention on world leaders and government. And in return, many of those same world leaders have been all too ready to oblige Satan's interests. The beast out of the sea will not be any different. He will rise to power on the world stage. He will eventually stand at the head of world government. And he will become Satan's man, the seed of the serpent. Until then, it shouldn't surprise anyone to find world government organizing itself now and on into the future around the values and beliefs and practices associated with Satan and the beast, and the number of the beast, the number 666. Psalm 2 puts it this way, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. This is exactly what the political, economic, and religious system of the beast determines to do. And it all gets underway midway through the final seven years, when war breaks out in heaven, leading to the defeat of the devil and his angels, 
to their being thrown down to earth, and ultimately to a time of Satan's great wrath. Because, as it says back in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 12, he knows that his time is short. Now, Revelation 12, 12 also says that Satan's being cast down to earth will stand as a time of woe. But that's not the only way the verse characterizes what happens. Because the war that breaks out in heaven between Michael and the dragon breaks out not when Satan decides, but at Michael's initiative, at a time when God is ready to consummate his plan for Jesus to return to crush the head of the serpent. And for this reason, according to Revelation 12, when the devil is finally thrown down, there's a loud voice that cries, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Meanwhile, back to the beast out of the sea. Revelation chapters 12 and 13 could not be more clear. The beast out of the sea will rise to power in world government in association with the final seven years. He will become known at the midway point, after the war in heaven, and after Satan's marking him as his man. But what else do we need to know about the beasts receiving the dragon's power and throne and great authority? Why does John give such emphasis to the world responding to the beast in wonder? And why no mercy to anyone who worships him? More next time on Seed of the Woman. <laughs>